Have you um, talked to your priest this week? You say, Brother Fred, I don't have a priest. I have a pastor. You're my pastor. I don't have a priest. Guess what? Yes, you do. You know that, don't you? You know who your priest is? The Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, you know what the Bible says about Jesus? He is the great high priest. And today you can say, well, I know one thing. I have a pastor. He may, he may not be a good one, but I've got a pastor. But i tell you one thing. I've got a great high priest. You do? Yeah, Jesus Christ. He is my great high priest. Let me tell you something. That's one of the greatest truths in the world that will encourage you and give you strength when you're on the mountain and in the valley is to know that you have a great high priest. Now you say, Brother Fred, uh, is Jesus the great high priest of every person? No. He is the great high priest of every person who has repented of their sin. God be merciful to me, a sinner. And repent means to turn away. They have turned away from their sin by the power of God. And they've thrown themselves upon the mercy of God and asked Christ and to be their Lord and Savior and take control of their life. Jesus is the great high priest of every child of God. And man, what that means is just, just overwhelming. My burden has been, I'm going to speak to you the truth about Jesus being your great high priest. But it's got to get beyond your intellect. And it's got to get in your spirit. And I'm telling you, if it gets into your spirit, it will affect, it'll affect your life spiritually in every, every way. Let's just look at some scriptures. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Now listen to what it says about Jesus. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, Christians, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Then it goes on and says, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. Then in verse 6 it says, but Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of hope firm to the end. Then here's a beautiful confession about Jesus, a high priest. It's found in Hebrews 4.14. Just ask the Lord to let this sink into your spirit. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. That means he went on past our heavens, probably to the second heaven, the third heaven, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Seeing we have such a great high priest, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not, now listen to this, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. So many times we feel, well, nobody understands my temptation. Nobody understands the battle that I'm fighting with this particular sin. No, nobody understands. Oh, yes, someone does. Jesus does. Oh, yes. Look what it says. He can sympathize with your weaknesses. 
So you can go to him. You say, well, I don't want to tell Jesus what I've been doing. What do you mean? He knows what you've been doing. But he can sympathize with your weaknesses. But in all points was tempted like we are. Did you know Jesus was tempted just like you? Just one, one difference. Yet without sin. So we have a high priest who understands us. Who understands the walk we have in this world. Battling the world, the flesh, and the devil. One who lives in us who can give us the victory. And, and, but uh, but, but he, cause he was in all points tempted like we are. Yet without sin. Now, since we have such a great high priest, look at what it says. Let us therefore, we got a great high priest, come boldly, with confidence now, boldly to the throne of grace, where God gives us what we don't deserve and can never do for ourselves. Since we have a great high priest, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? That may obtain mercy. <laughs> We go into the very presence in the very holy of holies through our great high priest that, that we may obtain uh, mercy. God doesn't give us what we deserve. And that we might find grace. God gives us what we don't deserve and couldn't do for ourselves in time of need. What a great, great promise that we can go right into the holy of holies, the very presence of God through our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then there's another verse that it's all over the Bible about his high priest. In, in chapter 8 of Hebrews, verses 1 through 3. Now this is the main point of the things we're saying. We have such a high priest, listen where he is, who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens. <laughs> we have a high priest seated at the right hand of the Father, the throne of majesty in heaven. All right, and then it goes on in the next verse and says, A minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. And then it goes on in verse 6 and says, For every high priest is appointed to offer both sacrifices and gifts. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also had something to offer. He offered himself. Okay. And in verse 6 it says, But we have obtained a more excellent ministry, Inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which is based on better promises. Now, so, I think clearly from Scripture that I've established that every believer in this room, we have a great high priest. Now, you know what a priest does. It speaks to God on our behalf and speaks from God to us. So, Jesus speaks to God on our behalf, but he also speaks to us from the Father's heart. So, we have a great high priest. Now, there are two or three things I want to talk to you about this. Because it, it'll, really, it'll really change your life if you get it in your heart. I don't know anything that's encouraged me more than the realization that I've got a great high priest that is in heaven and what he's doing for me. Man, what an encouragement it is. I got to talk to David on the phone yesterday about this. Got so excited, I think I preached 30 minutes. I, I mean, this thing, and he just kept saying amen. He knew he better say amen. But anyway, <laughs> but let me say something. I, I've never been more encouraged than to know I have someone in the presence of God on my behalf as a believer. And I want to tell you something. 
If you're a child of God, you've got someone in heaven on your behalf in the presence of the Father, and his name is Jesus, our great high priest. And I'm telling you, when, when you're in the battle, when you're, you're discouraged, and when you don't know if you can hold on anymore, then you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. My great high priest is standing in the gap for me. All right, let, let me mention to you the, the ministry of Jesus as a great high priest. What, what, what does that involve? All right, here is perhaps one of the most amazing, revealing scriptures in all the Bible. When I first read this, I don't know when it was, I said, man, this is awesome. Now, I want you to just meditate on it uh, carefully as I read this. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11, look what it says. But Christ came as high priest of good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation. So, now get this picture. There, there was a earthly tabernacle on earth. There was the outer court where there was a brazen altar and uh, uh, the uh, uh, place where they washed their hands. Uh, the priest did after they worked. And then they'd go inside. That was the outer court. And everybody could come in there and bring their sacrifices. And then there was the inner court. That was the outer court. That was the holy place, which was a table of showbread and the, the altar of incense and the seven golden lampstands. Jesus, the lampstand, the light of the world. Jesus, the bread of life. Jesus' prayers being offered up to us. So there was the outer court, the brazen altar, and, and the place where the priest would wash afterwards. Then there was the holy place. But then there, and, and only the priest could go in the holy place. So here's everybody in the outer court. Then they, the pre, they offer their sacrifices. Then the priest goes into the holy place, and there's a curtain there. And he ministers at, at the table of showbread and the seven golden lampstands and, and, and at the altar of incense. But wait a minute. At the back of the holy place, that was a 12-inch thick scarlet veil. It was 40 feet high. And behind that veil was the holy of holies. And guess what? Nobody could go in there but the high priest of the, of the Israelites. Nobody could go in there but him. Because you know what was in the Holy of Holies? The Ark of the Covenant, which was also always the picture of Jesus. And with, is overlaid, made of wood, the humanity of Jesus, overlaid with gold. Above it were the cherubim. And on top of the, listen to this, on top of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. Once a year, the great high priest for the Israelites would go inside that veil. And boy, it was a holy time. He took about hours washing himself before he ever went in there. And he had a, 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 a censer with smoke to cover him from the presence of God. Because if he had been seen his unhindered presence, he'd have dropped dead. And he went in there and he took the blood of goats and calves. And he sprinkled the mercy seat. Seven times with the blood of goats and calves, which meant the, pre, the people's sins were covered for another year. Covered for another year. Not cleansed, but covered for another year. 
And he could only, was the only one that could go in the Holy of Holies. And he was the only one who could go once a year. All right, now it says here, I want you to notice. But Christ came as a high priest of good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle made with hands, not of this creation. Now get this. Did you know that that earthly tabernacle was a picture of the heavenly tabernacle? And in heaven, there was the outer court. In the heaven, there was the holy place. And in heaven, there was the holy of holies, where God dwelled, his Shekinah glory. Now, when Jesus went back, he, Jesus died on the cross, and when he went back to heaven, when he went back to heaven after he had died on the cross, won the victory of world, flesh, and the devil, guess what he did? Let me read it to you what he did. So we go, we go on and says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place. He went into the holy of holies. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. And read on. It says, For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies the purifying of the flesh. Now get this. Jesus, let me give you this picture. Just as the high priest of Israel would go into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle the mercy seat seven times to take care of the sins of the people, and it would last a year. Now here comes Jesus. He's died on the cross. The Father's raised him from the dead. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. I wonder what he carried it in. I wonder what he carried it in. But with his own blood, he went into the most holy place, uh, a most holy place, and he sprinkled the mercy. He sprinkled everything. It had to be. But what he did was this. He went into Holy of Holies, and there where the mercy seat was on top of the ark, he sprinkled the mercy seat seven times with his blood. That was the last time it would ever have to be sprinkled. That was the last time. Because Jesus Christ made the perfect sacrifice once and for all. And so here's your great high priest now. He's died on the cross and rose from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. And now he's in the holy of holies in the presence of the Father. And with his own blood, knowing all of your sins and all of my sins, that would, people that would ever live, he took his precious blood. And he sprinkled the mercy seat with his own blood. And once and for all, the price for sin had been forever paid. It says, if the blood of goats and calves, go back to verse 13. If the blood of goats and calves, the ashes of heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies the purifying of the flesh. Get this. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself to God without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, when you're saved from the day you're born again through repentance and faith, you know how God sees you? If you're saved today, he sees you through the mercy seat. When God looks down on you, he sees you through the mercy seat. 
And that mercy seat is covered with the blood of Jesus. And the Father says, the price has been paid. The debt has been paid. All sin, past, present, and future, was paid in full by the Son of God. And you talk about being secure in Christ. That's the only reason you're secure in Christ. Because when God sees you as a believer, he sees you through the mercy seat and the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the ministry of our high priest Jesus is that he went into heaven itself uh, and, and sprinkled the altar with his own blood. Look at verse um, uh, uh, 23. Therefore, if it was necessary that the copies of the things in heaven should be purified with these, in other words, the copies of the things in heaven, which was the earthly tabernacle, but the heavenly things themselves, blood, goats and calves couldn't take care of it, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Boy, listen at this. Now, I'm, I'm, if I shout, y'all, y'all forgive me. Here it is. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands. He did not go into the earthly holy of holies, and it was a precious and sanctified place, and sprinkle it with his blood. Oh, no. Oh, no. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but get this, but into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God for us. My Lord, you know why I can be forgiven when I repent and throw myself upon the mercy of God? Because Jesus went into heaven to appear in the presence of God for me and for you. And he sprinkled the mercy seat with his blood. And now God sees us who are saved through the mercy seat. And I am telling you, friend, when you get discouraged and the devil accuses you, who are you to pray? You're not perfect. You did this. You did that. You did. He accuses you. He accuses you. You say, time out. Let me tell you something, devil. The mercy seat in heaven is sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. And Jesus sees me through that precious blood. And you can't touch me. And you can't defeat me. I'm overcoming by the blood of the Lamb. Woo! <laughs> I'm telling you. My Lord, who are we to have such a Savior? My God. You know, so he, uh, his ministry in heaven is he's appearing in the presence of God for us, pointing to the mercy seat, which is sprinkled with his blood. Through his blood, you and I can live in the presence of God. It says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly to the throne of grace. To obtain mercy, come with confidence. You think I would try to go into the, co- in the presence of God with my righteousness, which is as filthy rags? Heavens, no. I would not even dare to think to go into the presence of God with my righteousness, which is filthy rags. But Jesus' blood has already sprinkled the mercy seat. And as a result of that, God has given us who are saved the, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so, therefore, we can go with confidence into the Holy of Holies. You say, Brother Fred, where am I living spiritually? In the Holy of Holies. That's where you're living. And, and if you're saved, you're living in the Holy of Holies. You're living in the presence of God. Used to be the great high priest on earth was the only one that could go in there. But you and I live in there every day. And that every day we live in there. Every day. 
You say, no wonder I get convicted when I sin. That's exactly right. <laughs> if you're in the holy of holies, you're going to get convicted of sin. Well, I sin and it don't bother me. Well, I'll tell you how to get saved when we get through, okay? <laughs> if sin doesn't bother you, I don't know if you, you, you realize where you're living. If you're a child of God, you're living in the holy of holies. So at Jesus, our high priest, sprinkled the mercy seat with his blood. All of our sins, past, present, were paid in full. We live through his blood in the presence of God in the holy of holies. And you know what he did? When he got ready to go away, you know what the high priest said to him? He said, I know y'all are worried and fretting because you've been with me three years. And you know I'm going away. He said, but I'm going to tell you what I'll do. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send him. And he will dwell in you. And he'll be just like me living in you. Because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are one, same substance, same deity. And he says, so Jesus told him that what he was going to do. He said, nevertheless, I'll tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. If I don't go away, the Holy Spirit's not going to come to you. But if I depart... As your great high priest, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And he goes on and says in verses 12 through 15, it says, I have many, still have many things to say to you. He's fixing to go back to heaven, down the cross, rise from the dead, send into heaven. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority. Whatever, the Holy, whatever he hears, he will speak from the Father and the Son. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. See, Jesus said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And he's going to glorify me. He's going to take, he's going to take the things of the Father, the things of me. And he's going to share them with you. He's going to give you the truth. And, and, and the Holy Spirit's going to glorify me. He'll take what is mine and declare it unto you. And then he goes on and says, All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take mine and declare it unto you. So, you're talking about a great ministry of the, Holy, of, of the, of the great high priest was ascending of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? The Holy Spirit indwells us. What, what about this verse? Do you really believe this? In 1 Corinthians 3.16, But do you not know that you are the temple of God? Wait a minute, Lord. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. He said, but you're righteous because I've given you the righteousness of my son. And because I've given you the righteousness of my son, because the blood of his uh, mercy seat's been sprinkled with blood, he said, because I've given you the righteousness of my son, then the Holy Spirit can come and indwell you. What do you not know that you're the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? But Brother Fred, I I'm just a human being. I'm just an earthly vessel. We all are. We all are. But you see, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us because in Jesus we have been declared righteous and our sins are under the blood. Now you can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Holy Spirit. And God forbid. But we do sometimes. So our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says. 
uh, uh, and we'll go all the way. First Corinthians six nineteen says, "Do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, which you have from God, and you're not your own? You're the body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's." Okay. Now I've talked to you about the ministry of the great high priest in the heavenlies and what his ministry has accomplished for us, okay? What his ministry has accomplished for us. Now, I want us to go on to say, now what is the ministry of the, Holy, of the, of the great high priest to you right now? Now this is where um, it gets down to where we live every day. And this is the ministry of the great high priest Jesus in your life and mine every day, okay? I mean, every day that we live as believers. Here's the first thing. The Bible says that Jesus, our great high priest, prays for us. Now, I, now that just might go right over your head, but I hope it doesn't. I hope it goes right into your heart. Nothing encourages me more to know than Jesus is praying for me. All right, listen to these words in John, Hebrews 7, 23 through 28. And there were many priests, they were, but, but because they were prevented by death from continuing, but he, Jesus, because he continues forever, he's eternal and everlasting, he has an unchangeable priesthood, okay? Therefore, since Jesus is alive, he is our great high priest, he is unchangeable. He is able to save. Therefore, he's able to save to the uttermost. I mean, that's mean from the guttermost to the uttermost is what it means. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Not those who come to God through religion. Not those who come through God by some ritual or rite or ceremony. No. The only way you come to God is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. No other way. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those to come to God through him. Then listen to this. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. You know why? Because the reason he's ever living is to make intercession for you. Did you know that every day of your life, every part of time that Jesus Christ, who lives in you by his Holy Spirit, did you know he's praying for you? That's why I know I'm going to make it to heaven. <laughs> I'm not going to make it to heaven because I'm stronger than you are or anything. But I'm going to tell you why. Because Jesus Christ is praying for me, and he's never prayed a prayer that hadn't been answered. Amen? Do you, do you really believe that Jesus is praying for you? The next time you get in a struggle, the next time you get in the trial, the next time the devil accuses you, the next time he says you're not worth anything and you never will be, you're just going to be a, a second-class Christian and you'll never know how to pray and you'll never be able to witness and you'll never be able to do what God wants. You say, you're a liar. You're a liar because I'm going to tell you something. I got somebody much stronger than you are praying for me. Well, who's praying for you? Jesus. And all of a sudden he shuts up. 
I want you to know I wouldn't be standing here if Jesus hadn't been praying for me. And you wouldn't be sitting here if Jesus hadn't been praying for you. You know, it says he prays for Christians. It says he prays for believers. And so that ought to encourage you. Well, you know, you say, Brother Fred, how does he pray for us? Well, I'll give you one example of, uh, in John 17 of how he prayed for the disciples first. In John 17, 13 through uh, uh, 19, he, he was praying for the disciples. Now, I want you to listen to what he says. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they, the disciples, may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. All right? I have given them your word. He was talking to the, about the disciples. I've given them your word, and the world hated them. They all died as martyrs. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, the disciples. I'm not praying you'd take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. Did you know? We're not one of the 12, but we are disciples. And I want you to know that Jesus is praying, Father, keep them from the evil one. Keep them from the evil one. Keep them from the evil one. He's praying for you. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. And then it goes on in verse uh, 17. Well, sancti he's praying we'd be sanctified. This was for the disciples, but sanctify them through your truth. Take the word of God and make them holy and teach them how to walk and to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, take the truth of your word and sanctify them. Because your word is true. He's praying that God would sanctify us. That he'd make us holy. And that we'd live according to the word. He's praying that for you. And he goes on and says in, in the next verse. As you sent me into the world. Ooh, I'm sending them into the world. What part of that don't I understand? As you sent me into the world to bear witness to the father. And to how people could get saved. As you sent me into the world, I've also sent them into the world. And, and, and then he, he, he changes gears. And he'd been praying that for the disciples. But then he starts being specific about you. Look at the next. Look at verse 20. Look at what he says. I do not pray for these alone. I'm not just praying for the disciples. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. We're sitting here this morning. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We have all the epistles. We have all the New Testament. That was the word of the disciples. He said, I'm not just praying for them, but I am praying for those who will believe in me through their word. Well, you believed in Jesus because... You heard the gospel as it's presented in the word of God. So he's praying for you. You, you believed in Jesus because uh, they believed your word. So, all right, so now he's praying for you. I'm telling you, it says it right there. But for those who will believe in me through their word. And he goes on to the next verse. You know what he's praying? Now, this is strong. That they may be one. That they may, may have unity. That they may be one, of one mind, one heart, 
one spirit and with one mouth glorify God. He said, I'm praying for you believers that you'll be one, that you will be one. As the Father, as you, Father, are in me and I'm in you, that they may be one in us, that we would be one in the Father and in Jesus, and that the world may believe that you've sent me. Oh, listen, let me tell you something. When believers are one in my heart, mind, soul, spirit, and they're one in the Father and one in the Son, that's a unity. And then the, the, the Father is going to be glorified in it. And Jesus is going to be glorified in it. And they're going to say, you know, there's something to Jesus. He must have been sent for the, by the Father. Because look how they love each other. Look how they walk together. Look how they have unity. Now, I'm just going to be as blunt as I know how. You know why so many churches have divisions and splits and arguments and, and just fuss and fight? You know why? It's straight out of hell because it doesn't tell anybody that Jesus is alive. Not at all. Not at all. I'm just telling you right now. And so that's why we need to be of one heart, one mind, and spirit, and to be one in the Father and the Son. We may, we may disagree on some theological issues that are not uh, uh, necessary to salvation. It's just a difference of, of, of understanding it. Peter and, and, uh, and, and Paul at, at times disagreed. But, but, so I'm not saying that we, we all got to believe that thing. But anything that pertains to salvation and eternal life, if you don't believe that, you're lost. So, but I'm talking about, that doesn't mean we always have the exact same beliefs, A, B, C, D. But it means one thing, that we are one in the Father, and we're one in Jesus. And we know how important that is, because they're not going to know that the Father sent Jesus if we are a divided, arguing, confused group of people. Amen? So we're not going to do that. Boy, I tell you what, I know of all the churches. I know one guy was on an island by himself. And when they rescued him, they, they, they noticed two buildings. He said, what's that? He said, it wasn't nobody but him. He said, uh, what's that? He said, that, that's the church I go to now. <laughs> what's that one over there? Well, I left that church. I didn't agree with it. So <laughs> he was the only one on the island. <laughs> he couldn't even live with himself. I said, Lord, there's more truth in that than I want to believe. My goodness alive. All right. So he's praying for us. Uh, he's, he's, it ought to be a great encouragement to you that right where you are right now, your Savior is at the right hand of the Father. He's got his eye on you, and he's praying for you. Now, friend, that ought to give you the strength to keep going. I'm telling you, I, I just thought about this this week. The only reason I'm alive and the only reason I'm standing here in this pulpit, I know, is because Jesus prayed for me. So many times the enemy would try to put me in a place of peril or put me in a place of unbelievable temptation. My God, it's only through the prayers of Jesus that we're able to make it. But he's praying for us. And we thank God for that. And you remember, and you talk to your great high priest and say, Lord Jesus, you know where I am. And you know, I know you're interceding for me. And I know you're praying for me. And I'm counting on you, Lord. Now you tell me anything you want me to do or anything I can cooperate with you. But listen, don't, don't focus on the, 
on, the, on, on your problem. Don't focus on your hurt. Don't focus on that. It'll just drag you down. Focus on the fact that I am a child of God and my Savior is praying for me. Now that's what you need to focus on. Well, not only that, but here's one other thing. Jesus is not only our high priest praying for us, but he is our advocate. He pleads our case before the Father. All right, look at 1 John 2, 1. My little children, that's us, that's believers. These things I write to you so that you may not sin. I've written the word to you so you will not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate, one who pleads our case, one who pleads our case. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is our advocate. And he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. You know, Jesus is our advocate. Now, let me read you uh, a couple of verses here, and it'll let you know how he's pleading for you. This is in Revelation. It says, I heard uh, 12.10, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren. Time out. Who is the devil accusing? God's children. He has lost people right where he wants them. They're spiritually blind, spiritually dead, without God. So he's got them right where he wants them. He just wants to keep them there. He does everything to keep them there. But you know what he does to a child of God? He knows we're saved. He knows our sins are under the blood of Christ. He knows the Father sees us through the mercy seat. He knows there's nothing he can do to take away our salvation. Absolutely nothing. He knows that. He knows that. But I'll tell you what he'll do. He'll accuse you day and night before the Father. He'll accuse you all the time. Accuse you. And you'll listen to him. Well, you, you don't pray enough. You don't pray enough. I mean, you don't pray enough. You don't read the Bible enough. You don't read the Bible enough. You don't go to church enough. You don't go to church enough. I'm, I'm for all of that. But that ain't what saved you. Well, you, you, you sinned last week. Who are you to tell him about Jesus? You need to say, well, my sin's under the blood. Listen, he'll accuse you and just attack you knowing that he can't take your salvation from you. But he'll try to neutralize you and make you absolutely ineffective. So the next time he accuses you, you say, well, Jesus, did you hear what he just said? <laughs> Would you tell the father he's a liar like the father didn't know? But Jesus pleads our case. He appears in the presence of God for us. He's our advocate. He pleads our case. He represents us to the Father. Listen, I am so glad that Jesus is my advocate and yours if you're saved. He is pleading your case. He's calling the devil out and all the lies that he's accusing you of. And you need to stop listening to the devil's lies. He's our advocate. And that's his ministry. And he is appearing in the presence of God for us. Let me say this, and I'm not going to elaborate on it. This is the last one. Jesus, we talked about the ministry of Jesus as our great high priest. We talked about uh, his ministry in heaven, his ministry on earth. 
But now, let me tell you something. This is good news. All of this is good news. Uh, but, uh, you know, our high priest is going to come back again one day. Did you know that? One day Jesus is coming back. And, you know, I'm telling you, that's a glorious thought. That is a glorious thought. Well, Brother Fred, I want him to come back, but he needs to wait about five years. I got some things I want to do. You don't have no idea what heaven's going to be like. You say, Brother Fred, would you go to heaven if you could right now? Yes. But he hadn't ch chosen to take me. Why would I want to stay here when I could go to heaven? Good gracious. So I'm simply saying that the, the thought of Jesus coming back to receive us to himself is a glorious thought. You know what the Bible says? It is our blessed hope, our blessed hope, our happy hope. The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is our blessed hope. Jesus is coming back for you and for me. Hallelujah. In, in, in every verse in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, every verse in 1 Thessalonians, every, every chapter, of chapter 1, it talks about the return of Christ. Chapter 2, it talks about the return of Christ. They're going to scroll, just go up on the screen. Chapter 3, the last verse, uh, it'll talk about the return of Christ. Chapter 4, it talks about the return of Christ. That's the one that we know best. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the, arch, voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. Now listen, the Lord himself will send, descend from heaven on uh, uh, so descend from heaven with a shout. I got good news for you now. Jesus is not coming back on a video. He's coming back himself. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel. With the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Woo! I know that's not good etiquette or whatever you call it, but I could care less, to be honest with you. Man, I'm telling you. Praise God. So he's coming back for us. And I'm just going to tell you, we're going to have a battle till he comes back. Now, I want you to know that, but you've got a great high priest that's praying for you, and he's pleading your case. So you just remember you have victory in Jesus. Focus on him. Focus on the fact that he's praying for you and pleading for you. And there's nothing that you cannot overcome. Nothing. Nothing. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Revelation 10, uh, verse 12 or so. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the devil, and the word of their testimony. They love not their life unto death.